Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to direct your attention to the book of Matthew, chapter 14. Amen. Matthew, chapter 14. How many brought their Bibles this morning? Amen. Amen. That's a good hearty amen. Amen. Someone say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. We won't ask you to, to do jumping jacks or any calisthenics, but we want to make sure you're awake and with us and amen. Preach with us. Worship with us. Amen. Coming to church is a... Uh, is an activity, amen, it's, a, it's an interaction, it's an interactive activity, if you will, amen, it's not where we come and we just observe and spectate, but it's all, uh, it is a, a service in which we hear and we, we respond to the word of the Lord and we respond to the worship, amen, uh, I'm thankful to be in the house of the Lord this Sunday afternoon, amen, the time is getting away from us and, and we're thankful to be here, thankful for all of the things that God has done, Amen. And while you're turning to Matthew chapter 14, amen, we want to see how uh, honored we are to have uh, Lorena with us. Amen. She's here somewhere. We're thankful for Lorena. Uh, we're thankful for to see the Sandoval family back with us. Amen. They're, they're still just visiting, but I hope to one day they'll be back again. And, and then we're thankful, amen, to see uh, uh, Nora with us, Nora Celestine. Amen. We're glad you're with us. And uh, my, my personal longtime friends, the Reeds, amen, from San Jose, we're thankful they're with us. Amen. We, we, just, we just acknowledge everybody here today. We're thankful everybody is here in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. We are uh, privileged to come to church and to hear the word of the Lord preach. Amen. To feel what we feel in this place. Amen. There is a song that we have sung before, and it says, there's no place I'd rather be than here. In your love and here in your presence. And I feel that way. Amen. I've, there's been a few times where I've been. Uh, there was probably one time actually. I was I missed church on Sunday morning. And I felt. Uh, even though I was sick as a dog. And out of the bathroom. I just felt like man I, I need to be in church. Uh, it's the place where I, I belong. And there's a, there's a uh, something about the presence of the Lord. Amen. Once you've experienced it. Amen. There's no getting away from Amen. The uh, the goodness of the Lord. Uh, Matthew chapter 14. If you have it, say amen. amen. And we're going to uh, begin reading with verse number 22. Amen. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. And it reads like this. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. And to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them. Walking on the sea. Amen. Walking on the sea. Not swimming through the sea. But the Bible says walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea. Amen. Those witnesses. They were troubled saying it is a spirit. Or it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them saying. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And for the next few verses we're going to read is where we'll take our thought from here this afternoon. Verse 28 says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Amen. Lord, if it's really you, I want to do what you're doing. I want to walk on the water. Amen. Bid me come. Amen. Just give me a word. That's all I need. 29. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Amen. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And 31 says, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. 
And I want to just talk for a few moments on this topic or this thought. Uh, Peter's testimony. Amen. Peter's testimony. I'm going to share with you Peter's testimony. Amen. Why don't you set your Bibles down and let's ask the Lord to speak to us today and to anoint, amen, our hearts to receive his word. God, we thank you for uh, this opportunity that we have here today. We thank you, Lord, for the spirit of God that is moving in this place. We thank you, Lord, in faith today, Lord, that there will be, Lord, a touch of God in this place, Lord, and that lives will be changed and transformed by your spirit and by your power. We give you glory and honor. And everyone said in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. The story of Peter's miraculous walking on the water experience comes to us immediately following Jesus performing the miracle of feeding the 5,000 plus women and children near the city of Bethsaida. Uh, the, for the sake of time, we just read you the account of uh, Jesus sending his disciples onto the sea uh, and, and telling them, go on over. I'm going to catch up with you later. I'm going to take some time and I'm going to pray. And, and so I'd like to let you know a little bit about the background of this particular story. Uh, Jesus just concluded feeding the 5,000 plus women and children, roughly 15,000 people. And in that particular uh, story, in that miracle, uh, Peter had just seen how that Jesus cared deeply for the spiritual and the physical well-being of the people. And that Jesus, amen, let me just stop and tell you there for a minute. Jesus cares deeply about your physical and your spiritual needs. Because the Bible says that Jesus, uh, uh, right before this uh, miracle of feeding the 5,000, and Peter's there watching and experiencing and taking all of the things that took place, uh, what you have to understand is that Jesus was in a time of grieving. Jesus was in a very, uh, a very uh, time in his life when, when all uh, his heart was breaking, if you will, because he had just... Uh, he had just received the news of the untimely passing of John the Baptist, his close cousin. Amen. Uh, and so Jesus would, in a time of grieving for John the Baptist, still put the things of God before his own grief. Amen. Can I tell you today that Jesus, the Bible says, was in all points tempted like as we are and yet without sin. Amen. Jesus, uh, in doing the will of God, and he'd, he'd uh, uh, work hand in hand in tandem and, and John, with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was preparing the way of the Lord. And John the Baptist was doing the will of God. He was, he was doing a great work. The, Bible, the Lord said there, there will never be another greater prophet than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was in the perfect will of God. Amen. Giving his all. Amen. Expending his energy for the things of God. And in a moment of time, John the Baptist would have the, uh, the misfortune, if you will, of being executed at the hand of Herod the Tetrarch. Amen. Jesus had just learned that Herod had the head of John the Baptist delivered on a platter, amen, to Herod's daughter-in-law, Salome. And so uh, if, you, if you can picture in your mind with me today, amen, Jesus doing the will of God and John the Baptist off doing the will of God. And then uh, Jesus is, is, is doing great things and all of a sudden someone says, hey, did you know that uh, your close cousin just got his head cut off? And he was, he was a preacher. He was, he was a good man. He was doing the will of God. Apparently what happened was uh, Herod was having a party at his, in his palace. And his, uh, his uh, illegitimate wife, Herodias, uh, was there. And his, his illegitimate wife that he stole from his brother, Herodias, had a daughter named Salome. And that particular young girl was dancing before the king. And the king, in his lust, a man and his his lust for women, uh, people that he should not have had relationships with, uh, such as his brother's wife. He looked at his his uh, his stepdaughter-in-law, if you will, his daughter-in-law, 
uh, his stepdaughter, and he, he, he admired her beauty, and he looked at her and said, uh, whatever you want, I'm going to give it to you. And with the influence of uh, Salome's mother, Herodias, uh, she said, you need to ask Herod the king that you might have John the Baptist's head on a platter. What a wicked and a, and a disgusting request that was made before the king. And so uh, Herod, as he made this oath and this promise before all the kingdom, he, 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 he was kind of put out there and the spotlight was upon him. And he had to fulfill his oath and his request. And so he, true to the request that he received from Salome, was he, he had John the Baptist captured and he had his head cut off. And he delivered it to Shalomi, Herodias' daughter, on a platter. And so Jesus, hearing the story, amen, no doubt his heart breaks because that person that was close to him, amen, John the Baptist, that person that was doing God's will, amen, became the first uh, to be executed at the hands of sinners and heathen people. And so Jesus, uh, attempting to grieve, and yet he's, he's trying to find a place, and yet Jesus looks out and Peter's watching all of this and, and Jesus looks out and he's trying to grieve, he's trying to take some time for himself but Jesus looks out and he sees the people and he sees them following him, Jesus looks out and he sees them and they're, they're, they found out where he was at and they begin following him because they know that Jesus has the power to change their circumstances and they, that they need somebody to lead them, the Bible says that he looked upon them, those people as sheep having no shepherd. He looked at them as though people that did not have a, a father, a, a shepherd, a, a protector, a guider, someone to look after them. And so Jesus begins to put his grief on the back burner for a few moments. We want to take bereavement. We want to do these things. But Jesus says, I, I must do the will of him that sent me. And so Jesus uh, he shows his, his great concern for humanity. Jesus shows that myself and my will must be second place to doing the will of God. John the Baptist, Jesus' close cousin. And Jesus, no doubt, in utter human grief. And yet we find Jesus seeing the people as sheep and realizing uh, for the sake of the people, he must go forward and take comfort in helping those around him. And in doing so, he was honoring the memory and the life of his close cousin, John the Baptist. And Peter's watching all these things. Peter, meanwhile, is observing. He said, man, my master is hurting and yet here he is reaching out to help people. Up to this point in, in Peter's life, Peter, the former fisherman, can I tell you, he was a former fisherman. He had already seen Jesus stand up in the midst of the storm on the Sea of Galilee. And he, he Peter remembered looking back, uh, he remembered seeing Jesus step onto the scene of their life, get up from that boat uh, from his sleep and begin to rebuke the winds, begin to rebuke the waves and begin to say, Peace be still. And, and Peter goes back in his mind. He remembers these things. And he remembers the subsequent, the subsequent calm that came upon the sea and the heavens above. Up to this point in this particular passage in Matthew chapter number 14. Amen. Peter had already seen countless miracles performed by the hand and the word of Jesus. Peter had looked at, if you will, the resume of Jesus and said, you know what, he's got something to back up his claims. Jesus has performed miracle after miracle. Amen. He had performed so many things. And Peter, had, he had already had a wealth of experiences in a very short period of time as he was about in this particular chapter, two and a half to three years in to Jesus' three and a half ministry. He had things to look back upon and to reflect upon. And he remembered the, the, the things that took place in, in that. He remembers that encounter, that story of how Jesus was grieving. Yet he, he put people first and, and he fed the 5,000 or the, the 15,000, however many thousands there was. And then Jesus, the Bible says, went up into the mountain to pray. He sent the disciples 
uh, onto, amen, that sea. Uh, and he, he began to find some place, amen, to pray. And no doubt in that time in Jesus' life, he probably cried and probably grieved for his cousin uh, and saying, uh, uh, why, why did this have to happen? Maybe the human side of him wondered, why, why is this happening? Why did this happen to me? And then Peter remembers that particular story uh, and we, we begin to find out from the study of scriptures that Matthew's gospel that we read from here today tells us that this particular experience here in Matthew 14 happened at the fourth watch of the night, which is between the hours of 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. That very early time of the day or late part of the night. That fourth watch of the night between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. was the last preceding struggle of the dark night before dawn. And it represented the furthest limit of their physical exertion. It represented the the, the furthest limit of their exertion. It represented that, that they were doing everything in their power. And God wanted them to exhaust all their options so that when he walked onto the scene of their life, they would recognize we could not have made it without him. We need him. We've tried. We've given it our very best. And we've given all we had. Amen. And yet God came through in the nick of time. I've seen God over and over again come through for me in the nick of time. Amen. At the last hour when I was wondering what was happening, God was working. God was watching. God had his hand upon me. God had his eyes upon me. And God has his eyes upon you today. The midst of the sea, as we know from geography, was close to five miles out on the sea of Galilee. Amen. The midst of the sea that the Lord references was approximately, if you put it right smack in the middle, uh, at the widest point of that sea was 10 miles. And so five was right there in the middle, five miles out. Amen. And, uh, five miles that they, they had toiled all night. The, the, the Bible says that these disciples were toiling in rowing. They were rowing that ship. They were rowing that boat. They were working as hard as they could. And, and it took them about uh, nine hours. If you study the Bible, it took them about nine hours to get five miles out rowing that boat. They were working as hard as they could. They were doing everything in their power. And they only got five miles out. Sometimes when you're doing all you can to do and you're wondering, is it even making a difference? Is it even making an impact? All you've got to go back on is, you know what, honey? I may not be where I think I ought to be, but I'm in the will of God. Doing God's will. I got a word from God. He said, go over to the other side. So I'm going to do what God told me to do. And if I'm not as far as I think I ought to be, I'm going to take comfort in knowing I'm obeying his word today. I'm obeying his word today. Mark's gospel tells us and Luke that Jesus do you have Luke 6 and 6 and 48, Sister Gina? Luke chapter 6 and 48. Fastest hands in the West. Here we go. He is like, that's the wrong one. Bear with me there. Take my word for it. Mark, Mark's gospel, and I wrote down the wrong one. It might be Mark 6.48, but don't try and we'll keep going back and forth. But there's another gospel in the four gospels that said Jesus saw them toiling in Rome. He saw them. He was, he was alone up on that mountain. And they were out there on the sea doing their thing. They were rowing. And they, they were doing their very best. And the Bible says that Jesus saw them. So that brings comfort to my life, knowing that, you know what? I'm doing his will. And it's sometimes it's hard. And sometimes I'm fighting devils and I'm coming up against contrary winds and storms. And I'm doing everything in my power. And I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. But the Bible says that God saw them. From that mountaintop, he saw them toiling and rowing. Amen. They were doing what Jesus told them to do, and yet they found themselves in a storm. And sometimes we wonder, I'm going through a hardship. I'm going through a storm. I'm going through a trial. Uh, I must not be doing the right thing. Sometimes 
Amen. God will tell you to do such and such because He wants that storm, amen, to, to try you and, and that you might know, amen, what is your physical limit and what where is where God begins to step onto the scene of a person's life and God begins to work in that person's life. While they may have thought they were all alone at sea, in fact, it was Jesus who was alone on the mountain praying. Amen. I'm going to say it again. He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Amen. They thought they might have been alone at sea, but it was Jesus who was alone. Amen. Praying, reaching out. Amen. Talking to God. Amen. There, there was some discourse that was taking place in that, on that mountaintop. And we wondered, amen, does God know what I'm going through? Amen. Peter's testimony. Amen. Maybe he wondered, does God see me as I'm in this storm? Does God know where I'm at? Amen. What's happening in my life? Amen. I thought I was doing God's will. And Peter maybe begins to question and begins to wonder. Amen. But another gospel says he saw them. He saw them on the sea. Yes. He saw them on the sea. And even through, even though the storm, even though the storm showed up on that that boisterous sea. The Bible says that they did not turn back. They didn't stop and go back. Instead, they just kept pressing. They pressed through the storm with a word from Jesus. And maybe Sister Rain or somebody got discouraged saying, well, you know what? We should stop rowing. And then Peter over here says, No. God told us we need to keep rolling. Yes. We need to get over to the other yes. side. Somehow, someway, God is going to make a way for us. Right. Somehow, someway, amen, all I've got to do is just go back to what God spoke to me and yes. obey the word of the Lord. And God will see me through. I don't know how. I don't know how long it will take. But God said, amen, get on over to the other side. And so no matter what it looks like, I'm going to hold on to a word from God. Amen. There's comfort in knowing I'm doing the will of God. Hallelujah. I wish I had somebody that would help me preach this morning. I'm doing the will of God. And God's going to see me through no matter what I'm up against. No matter what I'm pressing and fighting against. Amen. A word from God is something you should hold on to and obey no matter how things may change. Once you get out five miles out on the sea, amen, everything seemed hunky-dory, seemed just fine as they were there with Jesus. But things began to change as they got out into the sea and they began to get out to some deep things and some deep things began to challenge them. There's going to be some things that will challenge you. Amen. How much of God, amen, do you want? Are you, are you able to stand and hold fast to a word from God? Hallelujah. Mark's gospel said of Jesus at this point that he would have passed them by. He would have passed right by them. But the disciples cried out, amen. He was getting ready to show them how it's done. Amen. So if you're here today in this place under the sound of my voice and you're in a storm and you're seeing things that don't make sense and you wonder, how am I going to get out of this situation? Will I survive my present circumstance? All you've got to do is just do like those disciples and cry out to Jesus. Reach out to him. Reach out to him. Reach out to him. Oh, let's lift our voices and worship Him today. Come on, could you lift your voices and let's magnify Him. We love you, Lord. We praise you today. We worship you. We magnify you, Lord. So worthy, God, of our praise. So worthy, Lord, of all of our praise. Hallelujah. Reaching out to Him. Mark's gospel tells us why after this miracle the disciples were sore amazed and wondered. Mark's gospel tells us that following this particular miracle the disciples were sore amazed and they wondered. And 
The reason for that was because the Lord said, the Bible says, they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. They considered not the miracle of the loaves. They had already forgot what God just did for them. Amen. When feeding the the 5,000 men, amen, with a few loaves and fishes, they had already forgot. Sometimes our memory is so short term, we can't remember what God did for us last Sunday. We have a hard time remembering what was taught on Wednesday or preached on Sunday. And we got a hard time remembering, you know what, last time I was going through a trial, God made a way for me. And we can't, we, we have a hard time remembering, we've got short term memory when it comes to the things of God. We easily forget it. Their mind was dull to, re- to perceive, amen, God's power. This does not mean that they were opposed to Jesus or that they had what we denominate hardness of heart, but simply that they were slow to perceive his power in their life. The disciples were still slow to perceive the power of God in their life. Even though God just did a great miracle and fed 5,000 men uh, plus women and children, they they had a hard time. They they were slow to process. God can do it for me. Just like he did for them. When there was only five loaves and two fishes, now we're in a sea. And God shows, I got the power of multiplication. I got the power to create and to produce. And here I am in a storm. And I can't connect the two. I know he can create bread and loaves from bread and loaves. But, and this is where a lot of us fall into. But my situation is different. This is different from that point in time. You see, that, 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 that was great and God did it. But I'm in a new situation that, I'm, that I don't know if God can do it. And so I'm wondering what's happening. They were hard because the heart was hardened. One must resist the temptation to limit God by preconceived limitations. You've got to resist, amen, that temptation to limit God and say, yeah, God can do that, but he can't do this. God can do that for her, but he can't do it for him. And God can do it for you, but he can't do it for me. And with the preconceived ideas, we we limit the power of God. We say, that's great. I appreciate your testimony, but mine's different. Right. I'm just going to discount my, the power of God because for me, it's different. Yeah. yeah, he did it for you, and I'm thankful. But it's this time it's me, and, and my, I'm having a hard time perceiving that God can still do it. Yeah. But can I tell you, every past miracle must become the foundation for the next. Every past miracle, every past experience where God has showed off his power, it must become the foundation for the next. Where you say, okay, God, you did it for me like this way back when. I believe it. I'm going to stand upon that testimony and allow God to see me through to the next. And then I'll stand on the foundation of my past miracle and say, God, take me through the next storm. It might be different. It might be all altogether different but God you can see me through every past miracle amen must become the foundation for the next miracle in our lives Peter Peter began to no doubt recollect there was that time when God rebuked the winds so he, he has to have power but they probably thought they were all alone I just don't know if God sees me this time. I don't know if God knows what I've dealt with, what I've been through. I don't know if he, if he knows my particular situation. This is a little bit different. God already rebuked the storm. But this time, he's not with us. We think he's up there on the mountain. But we don't know if he's here with us. We're looking around. Maybe, we, maybe, he, maybe he showed up. No. He's not here. And we think, well, I don't feel God. So I wonder if God still knows where I'm at. I don't, I don't feel him the same way I, I felt him on that Sea of Galilee before. It's, it's different now. He's not here. And, and we can discount the power of God. For Peter, the former fisherman, this storm was no doubt, as we say, not his first rodeo. Amen. He was a fisherman. 
Peter knew, amen, those seas. He knew how to fish. He knew how to navigate those seas. He knew how to get by on, on storms. And it wasn't his first road, if you will. It wasn't his first storm in life. Peter grew up, amen, fishing, and he grew up on the sea and, and doing his thing, and that was how he made his living, his livelihood from fishing. This was, if you will, maybe familiar territory. And so uh, maybe it was uh, uh, Peter. Maybe that was the reason that caused Peter to be so confident, amen, and saying, Jesus, Lord, if it's you, yeah. bid me come. Yeah. Right. Still, there was a part of Peter that thought, I'm comfortable here. I can step out. I, if I fall, yeah, it's okay. I'm gonna, I can swim. I, I, I know these seas. I know these waters at the back of my hand. I know how this works. Maybe there was a little bit of confidence still in Peter. Self-confidence. Self-confidence is not a bad thing, but there must be a reliance upon God. God can make the waters a wall for you to walk by, such as the Red Sea party. Or he can make it a floor for you to walk on. For you to get by and get through your miracle. That he can make those waters a wall as a Red Sea. Or he can make them a hard floor for you to walk upon. Amen. Through the strength of Jesus, we are held up above the world. We are enabled to trample upon Amen. Things that would get other people down. Amen. We are able to be kept from sinking into this world, into the things around us. And we are able through the power of God from being overwhelmed by it and also to obtain a victory over it. It's through the word of God, through the power of God that the the waters can become a wall or a floor. And God is able to keep you, amen, above, amen, all of those things that are all around you. And things are happening all around you. But God, through his power, amen, keeping your eyes upon him. And with a word from God, amen, you can walk on top of the waters. Amen. There'll either be a wall or there'll be a floor. And Peter's testimony was he's beginning to see, amen, after two and a half years of being with Jesus, that there's nothing that he cannot do. But still in that moment, as Peter begins walking out on the waters, Peter's heart is instantly filled with fear when he takes his eyes off of Jesus and puts them on other things. Amen. That is the problem. Amen. That you and I will discover if we're not careful is that through the storm, through the the seas of life and through the issues that we that come up in our lives, as long as our eyes are still fixed upon Jesus, as long as our hearts are still right with him. Amen. There is nothing that we cannot overcome and rise above as long as you keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus, not upon man, not upon your brother's faults and failures, not upon your sister, but keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus. Amen. Waves may be coming up, winds may be blowing, but if I've got my eyes upon Jesus, I can make it through, Brother Jonathan. I can make it through. I can make it through. I can make it through. They say people that walk the tightrope in those circus events, amen, their their focus is so, amen, so brought into focus, if you will. It's so sharp that all that they can see, they don't see the screaming crowds, but all they see is that other point at the end of that rope, and then nothing else matters. They hear nothing else, just that point. And as long as they got their eyes on that point, that mark, amen, they can cross, amen, a wobbly rope. They can cross over, amen, all kinds of things that are underneath them because their focus is upon something that is not moving. And as long as your eyes are upon the Word, as long as your eyes are upon Jesus, it is a firm foundation that you can walk through some situations. You see, I'm going through it, honey. I'm going through it, pastor. I'm going through it, preacher. Amen. No matter what, just keep your eyes fixed upon Him. But, can I tell you, Jesus allowed Peter to sink. He knew. Yeah, you take your eyes off me, you're going to sink. And I'm going to show you how quickly you're going to sink without me. 
I'm going to allow you, Peter, to show. I'm going to allow you, Peter, to see how quickly you can't make it without me. Because, Peter, maybe you still think you can do it by yourself. And I don't think this was Peter's final lesson. Because the Bible says that as Jesus was getting ready to be crucified, Peter, trusting in the arm of flesh, sliced off the ear of the soldier. Still thinking, I can do it myself. And Jesus trying to teach him, you can't do it like that, Peter. It's not going to be the way you think, Peter. It's got to be a work of the Holy Ghost. It's got to be a work of the Spirit. God's got to be involved and mixed with your life. But Jesus allowed Peter to begin to sink. And so from this point forward, Peter would know that he could not trust in human might any longer, but only in God. And as we mentioned a moment ago, sadly, it was Peter that would later cut off the ear of the soldiers taking Jesus captive, revealing that that lesson still had yet to be fully learned. Amen. But whether it was the waters that tried to engulf Peter, or it was the guilt of denial that tried to swallow him up and take him down, Peter learned one thing. All I got to do is come back and reach out to him. Because Peter began to learn something in this scenario. He learned that when I'm sinking, when I'm falling, and I have nobody else to pick me up, if I reach out to him, he'll pick me back up. He'll not condemn me and say, you, you filthy, lousy, no good person. He didn't even rebuke Peter. He said, a little faith. He said, oh, thou little faith. He acknowledged to us that it just still takes a little bit of faith. You don't have to have a lot of faith to see God do miracles in your life. Right. It's still just a little faith. Right. Peter, you got little faith. But here, take my hand. I'll pick you back up. I'll not condemn you, Peter. But I'm going to let you know, Peter, you can't do that by yourself. Whether it was the waters that tried to engulf him or the guilt of denial, he realized the importance of reaching out to God in the midst of despair. The Lord will permit us to try our strength. That we may discover our weakness and his strength. Right, right. The Lord will permit you to try your very best. You say, okay, you think you can do it, Peter? Give it your best shot. Give it your best shot, Peter. But don't take your eyes off me. That's a fine print, Peter. Don't take your eyes off me. You can do it. But God wanted to reveal Peter to Peter. You've got limitations, Peter. If you're going to do the things I want you to do, Peter, you've got to trust in me all the way through. It's not enough to just get halfway to Jesus. It's not enough to just get closer. You've got to, you've got to reach out and get a hold of him. You've got to touch him. You've got to get a hold of him. Peter in the ship was bold, but timid on the angry sea. Men are often confident in speculation. I could do that but then become different in the practice of it. Whoa, here I am. This is different. Okay, I'm trying God. Everybody thinks, you know, these people are, Christians are weak. They're weak. I don't know if they could, they're weak. They're they're, they're handicapped. And, And everyone's confident in speculation, but not realizing the trials that a bishop Cameron has gone through. And still made it through. The, the, the things that a Brother Walmers walked through and kept going through. Peter cried out, Lord, save me. And it was this prayer or this cry that Jesus responded to. God wants to hear the voice of his people. He wants you to know, you know what? I'm at my limit. I can't do without him. I need him. God, I... I I'm ashamed to say, God, I tried on my own. But I'm not making it, God. I'm falling. I'm sinking. Would you help me? Would you help me? There was a time in my life where I was falling. I was slipping away from God. And I said, all I could say was, God, help me. Help me, God. I don't want to pray. I want to make it, God, because my heart is divided. But God, help me. Help me, God. Something about a prayer that is just heartfelt. And says, God, I don't know how else to pray. I know things are not right. 
I'm sinking into the sea, God, that I thought I knew all about. But I'm falling, God. Help me. Save me. Do a work in my life. God, work for me right now. Somehow, someway, God, work in my life. Jesus walking on the water, and would you stand with me today? Jesus walking on the water reveals that Jesus was present with them in their struggles and in their storm. Simon Peter's place in the kingdom of God looms large. Of the twelve disciples, he along with James and John was of the inner circle of Jesus. He was the inner circle that seemed especially close to Jesus. That was Simon Peter along with James and John. And it was Simon Peter that later on, uh, maybe even as a result of this particular scenario at, on the sea, amen, that Peter would, would, by the Spirit of God, given revelation, say that you are the Son of God. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That same Peter would go on to, to bring about, to, that God would give him revelations about who God was. And it was at that time of that revelation, amen, that Jesus gave to Peter the keys to the kingdom. And Peter would later, amen, use those keys in unlocking the gospel message on the day of Pentecost. I do not give keys to my house to people that I do not trust. And God did not give to to Peter those keys before, amen, Peter had earned his trust. And Jesus knew, okay, okay, Peter's been through enough up to this point. I can trust him with some keys to the kingdom. And he preached. On the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 and 38, the Bible says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He brought about that Acts 2 38 gospel message. The keys to the kingdom. God would later use Simon Peter in that in the early days of the church that the people of Jerusalem, the Bible says, would lay their sick in the streets. That his mere shadow passing over them would heal them. They would lay people in the streets saying if, if just a shadow of Peter would overtake them, they could receive healing. You ain't got to touch me, Peter. Just let that shadow hit me at the right time of day. Peter was the first to bring the gospel to the non-Jewish people. The Bible refers to as the Gentiles. Simon Peter would go on to write two epistles in the New Testament. And yet Simon Peter had his share of human frailties. Speaking at one time against the will of God. And being rebuked by Jesus. Being called, called him Satan. Get thee behind me Satan. That was Peter. Peter that would step out of the boat and begin to doubt halfway through. Peter, that was one at one time caught arguing with the other disciples, who's going to be the greatest, and, and all of these things. He began to jockey for position in the kingdom of God. And finally, we see Peter, amen, at the near the crucifixion of Jesus, he began to curse and deny Jesus. He began to curse and deny Jesus. And we wonder, as we look at Peter's testimony, but why Peter? Why Peter? Maybe Peter wondered, why me, God? Perhaps it was because of of Simon Peter's humanness that God chose to use him mightily. Perhaps because Peter just, he was human. But yet he still pushed through. He said, God, I'm not perfect. I'm not going to try to be perfect. But God, when I'm going through stuff, I'm reaching out to you. There's a human side to Peter that we see. And Peter's testimony is that God can use flawed vessels. God can use people that are not altogether perfect. People that come to God and say, God, I've struggled with doubt. I've struggled with fear. I've struggled with uh, jealousy with others. I've struggled, God, with with cursing and and my, my foul mouth. I've struggled with all these things. And yet God says, I can still use you. If you'll keep reaching out to me, if you'll keep reaching out to me, 
Peter, just keep reaching out to me. Amen. God's here today. God wants to help us today. Whatever your personal testimony is, God knows it. Whatever your story is, God knows it. He knows it from the very beginning to the very end. He knows where it starts and where it stops. And if you'll just be honest and say, God, I'm human today. I'm not perfect, God. But God, just like Peter, when I'm sinking, I'm sinking, God. And God, I'm going to be honest. I'm just going to say, God, help me. God, save me. God, reach down your hand and touch my life today. And I wonder if we could take a few moments this morning and close our eyes. I like every eye closed. And I like you to lift up your hands and just reach out to God. And all I want you to do right now, as you put your mind upon God and your eyes are closed and your hands are lifted, all I want you to do is just say, Jesus, help me. I want you to say it from the depths of your soul. Jesus, help me today. Come on, whatever your personal situation is today, if you will honestly and sincerely reach out to him, And just say, as Peter said, Jesus, help me today. I need some people to help me this morning to lift up their voices and begin to pray. I don't want kids walking around. I don't want no one going in and out of the bathroom. I want us to take a few moments. And I want us to honestly and sincerely, as Peter did on that water, on that sea, I want you to reach out to him right now and just say, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, I want you to help me. Jesus, I want you to reach down your hand in this place on this Sunday afternoon. God, I don't know, God, the seas, the rough seas that folks in this church are in today. I don't know what they're dealing with in the ship of their lives. But God, as they're on that sea, and as they begin to look out from their current situation and circumstance, I'm asking you, Lord, that faith would begin to rise in the heart of the people. And they would reach out to you and say, Lord, if it's you. Lord, if it's really you today, I want you to reach down your hand. I want you to open up your mouth, Lord, and call me out of my current situation. Come on. Come on, let's lift up our voices right now. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Oh, 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 oh,